Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of our study in Philippians. We are going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 26 today. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up and read along with me. And in verse 12, Paul writes once again to the church of Philippi. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy or rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. For if I am going on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Now, as we look at these words today, we see that once again, Paul's reminding the church in Philippi that he is in prison and he is in prison in Rome. But whatever the outcome happens to him, he wants them to know that the gospel must advance. And so our big idea today, if you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to understand this. Instead of finding yourself as a prisoner, know that your circumstances can open up new areas of ministry. Let me say that one more time. Instead of finding yourself as a prisoner, oh, poor pitiful me, know that your circumstances, no matter what's going on in your life, that's an opportunity for you to open up new areas of ministry. Everyone has heard of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the famous British preacher, but few knew of his wife, Susanna. In their early life of marriage, uh, Mrs. Spurgeon became an invalid. It looked as though her only ministry would be encouraging her husband and praying for his work. But God gave her a burden to share her husband's books with pastors who were unable to purchase them. This burden soon led to the founding of what's called the Book Fund. As a work of faith, the Book Fund provided thousands of pastors with tools for their work. 
All of this was supervised by Mrs. Spurgeon from her home, and it was definitely a ministry despite her life circumstances. So what I want to tell you about this morning is oftentimes you're going to find yourself with life circumstances that may seem uh, challenging, may could cause you to become bitter, uh, may seem less than what you really want your life to turn out. But when these things happen, these life circumstances should bring about change for the good. And so we're going to look at today three areas in which your life circumstances should bring about change for the good. Number one, your life circumstances should advance the gospel. We see this when Paul writes in verses 12 through 14 of his circumstances in prison. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So the gospel made considerable and unexpected progress during Paul's imprisonment because of certain results that occurred in two different spheres. Number one, outside the Christian community that we see in verse 13, where he says, as a result, it has become clear that throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So this was definitely outside the Christian community. And so what we see with Paul in prison is that he's definitely chained to a Roman soldier for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the shifts would change every six hours. So that that means four men per day were chained to Paul. So now imagine yourself as one of those soldiers chained to a man who prayed without ceasing, who was constantly interviewing people about their spiritual condition, and who was repeatedly writing letters to Christians and churches throughout the empire. So you know it wasn't long before some of these soldiers probably put their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul was able to get the gospel to the elite praetorian guard, something he could have never done as a free man, but he did it because of his life circumstances being in prison. And so the, the first fear that we see that brought about the, the gospel making progress was outside the community, but it also advanced the gospel within the community, within the community of believers. And we see this in verse 14. Let me read it again. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And so through the years, the the people whose stories have done the most for my faith, and probably yours as well, are the men and women who didn't get a bow at the end of the story, who didn't get to tie a ribbon and put a, uh, uh, tie a ribbon on it and stick a fork in it and say, it's done, it's in the past. But it's the men and women who, in the midst of their pain and suffering, their life circumstances, who every single hour, day, week, encounter say, I don't know if this will ever change, but when I'm at my lowest point, when I don't think I can no longer go on, God's grace is sufficient for me. In my weakness, he is strong. And so this is what was happening during Paul's imprisonment. They're looking at Paul as this person who has great faith despite his circumstances, and they are given courage, uh, the encouragement that they need to keep their faith, to keep on keeping on. 
several years ago, a man reported his observations of the effects of a hurricane on uh, on the southeastern Gulf Coast town. As he walked up and down the ravaged streets, he observed that the palm trees that had been uprooted and flung about, uh, once they were tall and majestic, their root systems were too shallow to withstand the hurricane force winds. But he proceeded, but as he proceeded, he came upon a lonely oak tree all by itself. The leaves, though, had been blown away and some of the smaller branches ripped off. But the roots had gone deep. The tree held its position. And due, and in due season, it would again produce leaves. So this is with us. If we are to endure in times of great stress and difficulty, we must beforehand have put down a depth of character that will sustain the blows of a trial. That's what Paul has done here. And he's setting the example to other Christians and they're seeing it. They're getting it. They're saying, okay, we, we can do this. It's, it's not about us. It's about Christ. And so this is why we need each other, just as the trees go down deep and and uh, and hold on firm. We need each other to help us become so rooted in the word of God and in our faith that we are holding each other up. And so just as Hebrews 10, 23 and 25 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So number one, your life circumstances should advance the gospel and we need each other to help that happen. And you can't do that apart from the local church who can sharpen you and make you stronger and increase your faith exponentially. Number two, your life circumstances will bring out the critic. The story is told of an old man whose grandson rode a donkey while they were traveling from one city to another. The old man heard some people say, Would you look at that old man suffering on his feet while that young boy is totally capable of walking? So then the old man rode the donkey while the boy walked. And he heard some people say, would you look at that healthy young man making that poor young boy suffer? Can you believe it? So the old man and the boy both rode the donkey together. And they heard people say, would you look at those two heavy brutes making that poor donkey suffer? And so they both got off and they walked until they heard someone say, would you look at the waste, a perfectly good donkey not being used? And so finally, the scene shifts and we see the boy walking and the old man carrying the donkey. No matter what you do, someone will always criticize it. And we've all been there. We know that in life circumstances, good or bad, the critics are going to come out. And so there were believers in Rome who were opposing Paul. The churches were divided. Churches are divided today. This is nothing new. Some people were preaching Christ sincerely and wanting people to be saved. However, some people preached Christ insincerely and, and, and wanting to make the situation more difficult for Paul. And so Paul used an interesting word in Philippians 1.17. And let me read that verse one more time. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, 
supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. This, another word for selfish ambition, um, could be translated to contention, to canvas for office, to get people to support you. So Paul aimed to glorify Christ and get people to follow Christ. His critics, on the other hand, aimed to promote themselves and win a following of their own. So what was Paul's response to them? Well, he says it clearly, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. And so Paul had his critics. You're going to have your critics. The question is, is, are you keeping the faith? Are you doing what it takes to advance the gospel and not listening to the critics and allowing the gospel to be preached sincerely and people seeing Jesus Christ through your life, through your circumstances? And so number three that we look at this morning, your life circumstances should magnify Christ. And we see this example from verses 20 to 26. A good example of how our life circumstances, how our life, period, should magnify Christ is, let's let's look at the example of stars in a telescope. Well, you can see stars with the naked eye a lot of times, but when you have a telescope, it brings it all into focus. So the believer's body is to be a telescope that brings Jesus Christ close and in focus to people. To the average person, Christ is a misty historical figure who who lived centuries ago. He may have been good. He may have been moral. He may have done wonderful things to people. But, you know, he's a historical fi- fi- uh, figure that lived many, many years ago. But to the unsaved, but as the unsaved, however, watch the believers go through a crisis. They can see Jesus magnified and brought closer to, to them. And so the thing that excites us, the thing that motivates us, is the thing that is really life to us. In Paul's case, Christ was life. Christ excited him and made his life worth living. Therefore, his life circumstances, whether good or bad, magnified Christ. And so Paul says later on in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but we're going to look at that later on in this series. But earlier, one or two verses before that, he says, I know what it's like to have plenty. I know what it's like to have want, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So in in Paul's case, Christ was life. Christ excited him and made his life worth living. So my question to you is, what excites you? What makes life worth living? Is it your faith? Is it your family? Is it sports? What is the top priority in your life? There's nothing wrong with multiple different things exciting us and making life worth living. But if Christ isn't at the top, the number one priority of that, then it's a false excitement. It's not where your joy is going to be found. Our joy can only be found in what Christ has done for us. So believers, it's time for us to get excited about Jesus. And no matter what our life circumstances may bring, we should magnify Christ and we should advance the gospel no matter what. 
It's going to bring out critics. It's going to bring out people who are going to give us a hard time. But Jesus said, and I am with you always, even until the end of the age. May that be your desire today that you make much of Christ and be excited for him. 